There we go. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the ITCAST. I am your host, Nika Shirell. And uh, let's go ahead and dive into our conversation. Um, the uh, the ITCAST is our community outreach podcast that, it, um, that aims to increase diversity in conversations on health and sexuality. Through this work, we are creating a world where all people feel loved, honored, and respected. We have some upcoming events. Please join us for the Global Sexual Health and Freedom Summit, uh, September 17th and 18th, all online, and you can RSVP at sexhealthsummit.com. Uh, I want to let y'all know, if y'all want one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, you can visit my link tree to, be, uh, to book a free 20-minute connection session, and we can work on getting you empowered. Um, also, for the show, ask us anything like we want to hear from you and like for real we want to hear from you today i'm just saying like there are days no we want to hear from you every day but please please yeah that part right here um so uh also if you have other questions not during the live you can click on the link uh and then submit your questions to be answered on the show uh, get access to our bonus content at, on our Patreon, Patreon slash Nika Shirell. Uh, you can find that also in the link tree. Subscribe to this YouTube channel so you can get the updates, the information, and the love. And now, share with your community. Let's go ahead and dive in. <laughs> so this week's topic, uh, real talk on Roe v. Wade. I ain't gonna lie. This brought up a lot for me, and as, as I'm sure it brought up for y'all too. So starting with just a little tidbit from the Constitution. We the people of the United States of America, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, and provide common defense to promote the general welfare and security and the blessings of liberty, liberty, to ourselves and our posterity. So we're talking about us and the people who are coming behind us. Uh, so today in the booth, we are bringing you some really juicy conversation. We have our producer, Betty Marcon. Hey, Betty. Hey, how are you, Nika? And we also have one of my dear friends, court-appointed special advocate, Elizabeth Crosby. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Hey, hey, thank you so much for having me. No worries. Are you going to stay off camera today? Yes, I am. I apologize. I gave you the info ahead of time. I'm going to be moving around. I've got you right here. I'm dialed in, but I'm moving around and I will be more of a distraction if I have myself on the camera. Nope. Makes perfect <laughs> sense. <laughs> All right. So like Good to see you, Elizabeth. Yeah. Nice to meet you, Betty. Hello. Hello. Yeah. Thank you for being here. I feel so um, honored and privileged, Nika. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, so I do want to ask you both, um, how has Roe v. Wade impacted you? And just like share a little bit about why you're doing the show. Elizabeth, you want to start? Yeah, sure. Um, I think it's it's actually impacted me quite a bit. Uh, I think emotionally, um, it was just pride this past weekend in San Francisco. And um, as a queer female identified human being, it was, um, I felt like it, it was a very powerful day on Saturday at pride. Um, it was dyke day and it was present on everybody's hearts. Like it was like, as soon as you give uh, a friend a hug, it was like, oh my gosh, I, can you believe this is happening? And okay, I can't deal with this right now. I'm like trying to be happy right now to celebrate pride, but it was so heavy on all of our hearts. Um, later in the evening, I went with a friend and we like cried and broke down and had a whole conversation with our friends and her husband and my other male friend and how it was, everyone's just very angry. I think um, I'm extremely angry. I'm extremely, I don't know. I. I think it's more just the real wake up call of how much this country hates women and how long this country has always hated women. And the fact that like this, I don't know, it felt like this kind of like snuck up on us. Um, 
And there's nothing that we can do. <laughs> or so like, it feels like. Right, right. <laughs> like, it feels like there's nothing that we can do. There's so much that we can do. But I think the impact of this is so monumental. Um, and, you know, Nika brought me on because I'm a court appointed special advocate for a child in foster care and how this is going to severely impact the foster care system is scary. Um, and so right now I'm just, I have it really heavy on my heart. I'm looking forward to this conversation to maybe like shift my own personal space about it. Um, and to be maybe more inspired instead of feeling so doomed and gloomed. Um, but yeah, it's very heavy. It's just, this is going to have a serious impact on like millions of children that are already impacted. So that's where I'm at. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's real. We got a lot to talk about there. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Uh, Betty. Yeah, I really want to kind of one one piece that that I hear from what you're sharing, uh, Elizabeth, is um, the impact on children who are already here when, you know, families ha have to have, you know, have other children that actually, you know, pull away resources make it more difficult that, you know, if a family has really decided that all they want to have is two children or even one child, you know, and then they end up not being able to control their family planning, it becomes, um, it, it, it puts a huge strain on the family, um, which is really something. So um, I come on here primarily like, um, for me, when the decision came down, I was furious that that the a decision was made about my body or the bodies of women that uh, actually curtail our own freedom and liberty. That that really, and and I and and I also am furious about the fact that a Christian concept, some Christian concept of what life is, is actually um, in, con in contrast with my religious beliefs about when life begins. And the only reason they, they are even concerned about abortion is because there's like some form of religious ideology that goes into saying that uh, a fetus is is a life which um, in my religious belief it is not a life and it is not a life until it takes its first breath mm. and that's when God imbues it with a soul and in my faith that fetus belongs to me in my body it's part of my body until it's born and even if you aren't a religious person, you know, to look at the decisions that were made and the ideas of why one should not have an abortion, it's none of your goddamn business what I do with my body. This is my body and it's none of your goddamn business. Yes. Amen, as I'll say. <laughs> and my, and my, mother, my mother was saying that too. She was like, I don't understand why anyone would have anything to do with my body. It's my body and I get to do with it what I want. <laughs> she said that to me this morning, which is kind of funny. I'm an 88 year old woman, but, but it's, um, and um, I have a lot more to say about that, but basically that's um, part of my stand. And, and I, I also um, realized that nobody, nobody really thought this through. No, no, nobody thought this through. Like, you know, this is, this is a basic right. Right. No, that's, that's legit. And, you know, you bring up a good comment about church and state and how like that is a huge impact here, but, you know, even deeper, like Elizabeth, you talked about um, rights here. And as I read the constitution, I'm like, this is to protect our liberties, our rights. And like women not having rights is a global phenomenon. So like the fact that that like we just took so many steps backwards, so many steps. And the word for me is devastated. 
like I have been sick, I have been angry, I have had so many emotions and also terrified. Like as someone who has PIV sex, penis and vagina, just so y'all have all my business, it's terrifying. Like shit, no, I don't know. Anyway, I don't think that we should be terrified of something that is so beautiful and like we should not be forced to completely alter our lives like forced so yeah it makes me very angry you know we've had this whole conversation in this country about guns mm -hmm. uh police okay i mean you this is like and i also feel extremely embarrassed to be like i feel embarrassed for this country i feel disgusted I, I feel like this is literally like backwards. Like we're being made fun of around the world. We have been being made fun of. And I don't know, like, that's where I feel like, I do think this was absolutely 100% strategic. And um, that's also the very scary part of it is like, what is the, the long-term goal? Well, the long-term goal is like continuously taking away our personal freedoms mm -hmm. and start with women. <laughs> Let's, that's the easiest spot to start. And, you know, we thought that this was not an issue for what, 55 years, right? 50. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, um, this is, this is going backwards in time. Like my grandma was also a 80 year old woman. Like you were mentioning your mother, my grandma was a, a, appalled, you know, and she's as Republican as they can get. Um, and so it's a, it's a cross party lines this is human rights mm -hmm. and it's spooky that's it's spooky and it's like I would love to talk about like what can I do <laughs> so I'm not feeling so um spooked like in my soul yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, one of the things I want to say is you know like your grandparents and your parents like they fought for these rights like they they did everything that there was to do to bring that to fruition for us and being in that space like don't get too comfortable it can come and it can go whatever your rights are and I was definitely like where the fuck did this come from and why are we still talking about it I thought that conversation was done and somehow it comes back up again like, and consistently, like, and, and it's always, well, anyway, I shouldn't say always. I feel like it's led by the obsessions of at least one man. So I, I yeah, I have that issue that it, it, like, yes, there are women who are behind it. And I feel like this conversation is driven by men trying to control women's bodies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, if you if you don't know much about the history of like what happened after Roe was first passed, you know, in 1972 and in up through most of the 70s, there was no pushback to Roe. Um, people were pretty much have pretty much accepted it and were um, exercising their rights to it, and um, nobody made it a big political issue until Ronald Reagan. And Ronald Reagan decided that this could be a way of winning the evangelical right. Mm. And so he began to make it an issue and it became a big political football and he blew it, started to blow it out of proportion. So that by the, you know, the late eighties, early nineties, you were having, you know, people barring uh, abortion clinics and terrorizing abortion clinics. And um, that whole movement began to get some momentum. So it was really used as a political football to start this conversation, um, you know, uh, to highlight this evangelical Christian right thought way of thinking, mm. which majority of Americans don't approve of, you know? Yeah, I remember in the, I guess, late 90s, yeah, late 90s or so, um, being in school and like middle school and, and having this conversation, 
Like I was totally in the Bible Belt, Midwest. And, you know, the conversation was a hotbed for it for whatever reason. And so me as like a 13 year old girl sitting in a middle school class being asked, like, are you pro-choice or pro-life? And I'm like, it was by one of my peers, but the fact that this conversation was happening and at such a young age, like it goes to show you like, like what's along these lines and levels of thought, because I was young and I feel like children are young when this conversation comes up. And at least, I don't know, at least I was. And I think that that was the kind of thing that began to spark the thought around like, who has what rights and how do we determine them? Nika, I'm from the Midwest too, you know this as well. I was actually marching and the um, with one of my foster parents growing up with the uh, every child has a beating heart. You know, I literally held a sign with my foster parents in a march, like protesting. And I like distinctly remember this because I didn't understand what any of it was. I was so young, but they put a poster in my hand I held it above and it said, every child has a beating heart. And like, that was, I didn't even know what it was, but I was like, you know, like indoctrined, but I didn't even know what it was. And I actually was like, yeah, okay. Every, every child, yes, that makes sense. Everything is a beating heart. But like, I didn't get, I just remember how angry people were screaming on both sides. Yeah. And to have it come full circle like this is so weird. And the impact on the system with children in foster care, it is so broken already. There is not enough foster parents to take in this flux or social workers to handle this flux of children that are going to be placed in foster care or the adoption and then, or the children who are gonna be trafficked because of this. Right, right. And can we talk about, you know, that very intentional point that you made, like this was a strategy. So all of that is there. And let's look at how that feeds into the prison industrial complex. Exactly. Now you've got too many children. They're not being responsibly taken care of in homes and foster care is a feeder system. Like it is hands down one of the uh, primary spaces where almost 80% of people who grow up in foster care end up in prison. Yeah. Or on this or homeless. Right. Yes. And like, it's, you know, it's, it's like, let's not pretend like human trafficking and the prison industrial complex aren't just slavery today. Yeah. It's not that they're, they're hand in hand. They work together as a team. That is a hand in hand situation that was created by the government. And it 100%, like this is just a funnel, a funnel of even more sinister behavior with. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, like just the fact of me not being able to like take plan B or whatever, if I need to, you know, like, and like that, the fact that they're like, you know, like at Walgreens and stuff, they're, they're maxing them out at four per person. Oh, right really? Now. Yeah. Because everyone's trying to go buy them. And I, it's, I just find this all a dear friend of mine just had to have an abortion, you know, our, me and your age, Nika, and thank God that she had the right to go do that. Literally. Like, Mm-hmm. She's never had to do that before. And now we're like talking about like, imagine if she couldn't have, she would have been able to do that, you know, like weeks later in New York city, you know, like what? Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. I just feel this is like, I, I don't even know. Like, how can you tell somebody what they can and can't do with their body? Um, right. And, you know, I, I was listening to um, the daily podcast this morning from the New York Times, and I listened to it every morning. And today it was a, um, a story of a woman who is a, a, an attorney who before Roe um, was, cre- was getting um, a, you know, group of, of uh, complaints, pl- complainants, complainants, complainants um, uh, to, to um, 
address abortion rights as well. And so she, you know, it, she had an had a lot of experience with talking to women who actually had given up babies for adoption. And, you know, the level of, of, I mean, it, it's, it, it isn't easy to do that. That isn't, that isn't an easy solution either. Right. I mean, you know, you, when you give up a child for adoption, it, it's, it's a painful thing. It, it feels as painful to someone as if you, you gave your, I mean, it's, it's a, tra it's traumatizing. It is completely traumatizing. So what they're saying is, you know, yeah, you can give up your baby for adoption. Well, do you get like, that's a lifelong trauma. That's a lifelong trauma, not just for you, but maybe even for the baby, right? Maybe Absolutely. for that child. 100%. And, and same with having an abortion. It's still traumatizing. It is. It's still it's a just... choice that we have to make and deal with, but none of them are easy. Right. Like, nobody nobody them... likes going to have an abortion. Right. They have some yeah. sort of idea that people have abortions late, late in pregnancy and, you know, as a form of birth control. That's a load of shit. Right. Yep. Right. It's just a load of shit that doesn't Absolutely. happen. We are more educated about our bodies. We know what's happening and we make the choice early. That's like you like that. They We've now like made it better and we're more educated. So yeah, we know when to take it. We know what to do. Right. And it's still a traumatizing choice, whether you keep it or you don't keep it or you choose to give it up for adoption. Or if you keep choose to keep the kid and you don't have the resources, the funding, and then you get your child taken from you. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. And like, you know, talking about family planning and yeah. actually like, what is, what is the responsibility? First off, none of those people out there saying that you can never get an abortion, like none of them are going to raise the kid. It's like, oh, you have to have this kid and now you have to make sure it stays alive. And that like that, sh that is a personal choice. It's not a matter of anybody's, you know, right to anything. Talk about foster care, though, and adoption. And I'm so sorry, I'm making all the faces today. Um, so, yeah, you can give your kid up for adoption. That's a really easy thing to say. And black children are adopted at a much slower rate than children of other ethnicities. And when a child ages out of the adoption system, they go into foster care and they get lost. And yeah, 80% of people in foster care end up in prisons and nearly 100% of children, black children that go up for adoption end up in foster care. Or they're not what they call unadoptable. It's actually a real term that is used. We Jeez. all hate it over here. It's actually a term that is used by the courts. And you're 110% correct. Black children are adopted at the least rate than any other child. It facts. And so even just this whole idea of like, people are like, I'll adopt your kid. I'll adopt, I'll adopt. The reunification, they call it reunification with the family, is the number one goal. And if we have this flux of all of these kids, the reunification is dramatically going to go down because the resources are now spread even thinner for parents to do what they, to provide the basic care that the courts ask. It's just all of it is just going to be spread so thin already. It's broken. It's already broken. This is just, that's why it feels so heavy. Like the impact that this is going to have on the child welfare system and trafficking. I just think mm -hmm. that the children who are going to be trafficked or it's not even about like hanger abortions. Like this, we are like a past that with women. It's then just the, what do you do with the child? Well, you can sell it. <laughs> oh my God. That is another really good point. Wow. Let's not give y'all any tips out there. But it's wow. actually, that's also adoption. That is also like how the adoption, how orphanages are. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. People sell their children thinking, you know, that it's going to be better for the kid. And it's a whole, it's a whole mess. And you're like literally the impact on, 
on black children, it's, it's I mean, this is scary, scary. And yeah. so I don't know what the solution is, except, you know, me just continuing doing what I'm doing with foster care. And that's like all I can do, mm -hmm. I feel like, or, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Well, you know, what, what state are you in, uh, Elizabeth? California. So you're in California and Nika's uh, in California. Alameda County. Oh, yeah. So, you know, as my brother said to me, who lives in New York City, he said, well, we both live in states which will never ban abortion, ever. Right? It'll always be the right of a woman to have an abortion in the state of California. Yep. I mean, nope. and the flux of children that are coming, that are going to be coming from Arizona, Texas, yep. New Mexico. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Oh, well, we'll be, well, you know, those states will be affected, but in a, in, and it will be affected negatively because of the surrounding states that don't. Yeah. Um, currently, I live in Montana. And in the state of Montana, it's in the constitution, a woman's right to, uh, to an abortion. Um, but they are meeting, they have a, a Republican governor now, and there most likely will be an emergency session of, um, of the state house. And they are going to vote on whether to alter that state, state's law. And, you know, I intend to go down there with the power of the rest of the women and other people here in, in Montana to protest that and to get them to realize that that actually, you know, to do what, what one can to, you know, stop the legislatures from doing what they're doing and stop, stop electing members of their legislature who believe that, you know, we don't have that right because that's actually what's happened now. I mean, that is actually what to do now. It's like, first of all, we got to get rid of that guy in the uh, in the Supreme Court. Oh my goodness. Any, any fucking way we can. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I have, I have, <coughs> I'd, give, I'd give my life to take care of that. Right? I just don't know how to do that. Right? Oh, I right. in an you, effective but... way, because yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. And, you know, um, talking about trauma, you were we were talking about like, yes, this is a traumatizing experience for the parent, but then also this is a traumatizing experience for the child. And the child has done nothing, absolutely nothing, but be born into the bullshit. Right. Because someone on a hill or with a poster said they had to. But you also know that this, this right, more children equals more money in the, in, in, you know, prisons, it equals more money, um, for medicine, pharmaceuticals. It creates more poverty. It creates more, you know, junk food that is created. It, it's like, I feel like this is like, you know, if, if they were wanting population control with COVID, <laughs> and now, now, I'm like, what in the world? But I really think it's more about the rights, like the, uh, taking away our personal freedom, our mm -hmm. personal freedom rights. But we're talking about guns still. We're allowed, like, that's what, you know, like, we're allowed to have those. You can, that is your right. You can have that, but you cannot have control over your own body. Right. And, you know, I do actually, Betty, I have a friend in Montana. Um, she lives in Montana part of the year and then in California uh, part of the year. And mm. she's doing the same thing, going to the courthouse and literally protesting in Montana because uh, that is all that, you know, we can do. Yeah. But Montana is definitely a hot state. I mean, the fact that, you know, it's, it's, it's very country, but it's like, I feel like smart country people like, come on, it's Montana, you guys. Like, I just, what are the states that we do know that are definitely like upholding it? Oh, I don't know. Was it 26 or 28 of them? 28 of them, exactly. So I was thinking 20. I mean, upholding Roe or are yeah. striking down Roe? They're striking it down. Yeah, there's, yeah. Do you know? Yes. Yeah, so it's, I know, I don't know how many, but certainly like Louisiana, 
Texas, mm-hmm. Missouri, Florida, Florida. I'm from Indiana, uh, and I saw Indiana is uh, saying no, but I think that they're going to put it up to a vote, mm. like they're doing right. in Montana. Mm-hmm. Betty, you made a really, really good point. Um, I think it might have been a previous election ago, but people who have no experience of other people have no idea how their vote impacts them. So like people who've never been in the inner city or never like spent time with someone that wasn't of their culture, like any of that, they would not, it wouldn't even fathom that, fathom like how this is going to impact and affect those people. Um, And like- Well, look at the primary voting numbers. In the primaries, the voting was so low uh, across the board. And I think that that is also part of it. They've like worn us down and people are not voting and not seeing the long-term impact of who we're mm-hmm. putting in to your Senate and your state, who your yeah. house representatives and the oh, yeah. trickle effect that this is having and the amount of people who have switched from the Democratic Party to the Republican Party over the last four years because of all this BS that we've been dealing with is now moving this direction. We are moving a, a direction with this country uh, backwards, completely backwards. Yeah. Oh and yeah. It, it's, yeah, people are not aware of their voting power and the, the long-term impact it has. Cause we just don't vote people in for a year in this country. Nobody gets just a one year shot. No. <laughs> they get multiple years. Well, I mean, and that's the problem with the Supreme Court, right? You exactly. Know? Right. Right now, what's, what's happened is, you know, um, we have, I, I would say that, you know, at least two of the justices were, were put in uh, under very unpleasant circumstances. Uh, and I'm not talking about Brett Kavanaugh, even though I think he's a, a complete disaster, but, you know, um, Neil Gorsuch should never have had a chance at getting that seat. That seat should have belonged to Merrick Garland. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they did not, you know, that there was politics involved with whether that he got a chance, you know, politics has just come right into the Supreme Court, which is not supposed to be political at all, you know, and who would have known that this little church mouse, you know, Clarence Thomas would eventually open his fricking mouth and say what he said. You know, he's never said anything for 25 years. And now all of a sudden he has something to say and it's completely partisan, completely political. And it's so destructive to the one institution we have that, you know, has some semblance of, of impartiality, you know, really, or so Definitely. we thought, or right. so we thought, so we thought, and that, and but you saw, we, you know, like with Trump, we saw the sneak-ins of the Supreme Court, and it snuck in, and they got him in, and yeah. now we, how do you, you can't get him out? Right. Yeah, these basic rights that uh, we have, we really, you know, we have built um, in the whole, the last 20, 30 40 years, 50 years, we've built this society that works for the, for, for most people or it, 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 it gives us, it, it granted us rights and protections. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to be very clear with everyone out there who's watching, who's listening, who is experiencing this in any way absolutely get out and vote, but also know the policies. Go sit in an office, know what's happening, learn what's happening. Please go to law school. Somebody out there like in in graduating college and whatnot, go to law school, know your constitutional rights, understand what the policies are. You don't have to have gone to law school to sit on a council. Go sit on a council, be a part of the conversation that is happening right now. Because yeah, your senator. Call your senator. Okay, call, call, call. I, it's like literally, that was another thing I did. I was like, what can I do? What can I actually do? Yeah. Call my government and complain. Like, yeah. 
And I think that for the people like, like Betty who live in places, you know, however, if there's a number that I can call yours, I will call and blow up their number. I will call and blow them up. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. Oh, I need all the senators' numbers now. Well, I um, I got I got my uh, Montana has one Democratic senator and one Republican senator, so I you know wrote a letter to my senator and it went to both of them, and uh, the one who responded to me first was the Republican, and he said he believes in a culture of life, so he that's that why mean? he what does not that? agree. That's a very diplomatic life, but we believe in guns. Yeah, exactly, exactly. There is someone, there is someone out there that I met on the street who proceeded to tell me that he had 150,000 rounds of ammunition yeah. in his home. No one needs that kind of ammo. Unless they want to start a war. Well, this is what I'm saying. I think this, and that's what, this is what I'm saying. It's, it's feeling like um, it's being so separate. Like, what does that even mean? Right, like that they are focused on a, a life. What did he say? Life centric. Uh, yes. Yeah. Right? A like a culture of life. We are the sickest. We are one of the literally the sickest countries in the world. We have more sickness and death. We have you know the highest suicide rate in the world is here in the United States of America. Mm -hmm. This whole idea that they're you know this same slogan, the same language, the same jargon is at the root of it not even a valid statement it's not even it doesn't even like actually make sense like in terms of like what they're saying and I that's why I'm like I'm getting at the more sinister that's a sinister belief on what that statement actually is saying mm -hmm. and are you saying that for just for black women, you believe that white, white, right? Like, cause you know, how, what is the percentage white of black lives. women? Right. right. Black lives. Um, yeah. We believe uh, that's, it's, it, it yeah, it, that's what I mean about this. It's very sinister. And I can't believe he said that. What did the D Democratic Senator say? Oh, he said he, he uh, supported uh, pro-choice mm -hmm. um, and that he was going to, you know, fight for that and that was what he represented yeah, yeah See, that's john tester that's direct that's not diplomatic bullshit that i'm gonna you know say to appease you or whatnot um talking about the sinister aspect and and this is really fascinating um looking at the military system like we're talking about our rights we're talking about our liberties and when like when we needed the right to bear arms, we didn't really have a military. So like, we don't like the people who are inside of this bubble being protected by the guns and the soldiers, um, like that, like there is a, a breakdown. And if we're constantly updating the constitution, we need to look at some of these other amendments and be very, very real. Um, other funny thing I thought, I was like, oh, we just got out of a pandemic where bleach and COVID tests and toilet paper, like that stock all skyrocketed. And you know what? Take away abortion and plan B is going to make a lot of money. Ding, ding, ding. Mm -hmm. Trafficking is going to make a lot of money. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, trafficking. Yeah. You know, Elizabeth, it hadn't, it hadn't, I know it sounds really naive, but it had not occurred to me that someone would do that. Yeah, absolutely. Their babies. This is, this, uh, it never occurred to me. This is what we're all very, like people who work in the foster care system or even involved, like, that's what I mean. Like, this is getting, this is absolutely 100%. That is the fear when you have no resources. Well, well, that is a resource. Yeah. And you can actually now make money. Yeah. Mm. Wow. And you think about all like the kids, you know, like even children who are abused, you know, are being molested and by step parents or children who are being raped. And now they are now, you know, incest, not being able to have an abortion. It, it's oh 
This makes our that, society that sicker was, and sicker. That was one of the loopholes. Do we still have that loophole? Uh, no. We don't have the no. loophole. No. What? No. What? No. And some, you know, and some some states will put that in. Some states will say in the in the in the um, in the event of rape or incest that that's okay. Um, the state has and to in fight the life for and the life of the mother, yep. right? Yep. The state has to fight though. Like you have to create that as an option. It's now that is not the standard of care no longer. Right. I mean, a mother's life is at risk raising a child without the support and the resources to be able to raise that child. Not only is the mother's life, the child's life, like there's, there's risk in all of it. And it is really important for people to be able to make these personal choices because they are personal choices. And it, it doesn't, it doesn't belong in the hands of the government. Like it just, man, I'm still pissed about the loopholes. I'm pissed about all of it. Like, well, exactly, Anika, if you think about it too, if you think about pimps and Johns with mm. young girls, you know, with young girls and a lot of young girls who get snatched by pimps and stuff are girls in foster care who've already right. dealt with sexual abuse or not even girls, boys as well, that yeah. are vulnerable. And that's now another commodity to a pimp is now complete control over the body with another asset. Right. That's real. Hmm. Um, I know we were talking and I was thinking about how, you know, like there's a lot of sexual assault and molestation inside of the foster care system. And so now, you know, we're adding that to the pile and it's like, it's probably going to be a lot of kids who already have limited rights who are also going to be in this situation. Like we're not just talking about grown women. No, so we're talking teen pregnancy, all of it, teen pregnancy, you know, like yeah. we're doing a really good job of educating our young girls, you know, condoms, you know. Um, oh, well, maybe condoms will become illegal also. Right. You know, because yeah, that's part of the contraception thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> I really hope the birth control people are on our side. Well, I, you would think so, but they're massive, large pharmaceutical companies. So I don't really know, but they've at least partnered because this has been a big market. It's a big, it's a big. Can you imagine market. in the United States where you couldn't get birth control pills? Oh my, oh my God. God. I actually, I can now imagine it. I literally can now. Like, I, that's what I'm saying. It's like, oh, paradigm shift move. This is like moving. Yeah. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they take that away? Mm. Well, the only thing I can think of, Elizabeth, is what you were saying about pharmaceutical companies and the amount of money they make off of, you know, selling selling contraceptive. Contraception. Yeah. Condoms, though, are like the cheapest one you can get. Sure. <laughs> You're the cheapest one. You know, it's like, well, how many, I mean, how many women take contraception just to help regulate their periods and right. the pain that they get? Right. My daughter, my daughter has that experience. You know, she started taking birth control pills when she was 13, 14, because her periods were so painful and it really controlled things. I mean, they literally forced us to get a vaccine. Like they force onto our body, you know, like onto our body rights of like picking and choosing what we can put into our body and not put into our body. The fact that that's where I'm just like, wow, this is, this doesn't even make any sense of like what you're choosing, what we have to, what we can and can't do with our bodies. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I mean, this is, this is really fascinating because I really do think that like we are becoming more and more of a third world country. And I know there are people out there listening who may feel some kind of way about that statement. But when you look at the class divide, you know, it's like how, what's the gap range between the wealthy and the poor? The further that is, that that's a third world sign. We have shanty towns in so many places 
on the coast across America. And it's like, we're, we're seeing more rights being taken away. Like you said, the forcing of the vaccine, that's huge. And now looking at this conversation around human trafficking and you know the prison industrial complex, the military, it's like, are we, are we people? Are we citizens or are we just incubators? No, we're commodities. This is a fascist country. This is fascism. This is like, this is the, I mean, if people are confused by it now, I mean, come on, that's why I feel like everyone needs to like wake up, like wake up to actually, you know, we the people, yes, it's a government. They are a government and we are the commodities. We are the money makers. We are the, this is, but we are the people itself. The government entity is separate than us. They, that is, it's not for us, it's for them. That's why they did it. It's more power and control. Um, but like, as the people, we need to like seriously wake up that this is like very fascist. This is. Yeah, that's real. Yeah. And they serve us. Like they are here to serve the people and we actually need to hold them accountable because we haven't been holding them accountable. We haven't been saying enough, knowing enough, pushing for enough. Like, I'm so sorry. They did. They did. They've done that on purpose though, to, to break, yeah. break us down. So none of us like, we're like apath apathetic, you know, like nobody cares anymore. Cause we're all so exhausted and it's so negative. It's so hateful. And it feels just constantly negative, 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 negative. And then this, it's worn everybody down. So it's, I'm like, no, we have to like, remember that it, we are, that they work for us. We pay them, but right. actually, you know, like we pay them. It's the house wins. Let's just say the house is winning. The house is winning. The, the casino is winning. And yeah. I feel like a true, like, you know, revolt uh, of the government like must take place and everybody's angry you like what people what group of people is not angry in the united states right now oh yeah like every group is ang like very angry and is it being it's i feel like the, the the anger should be towards the government not each other right right and when we keep infighting when yeah. like when that's happening then they can just watch they don't they like the government just gets to keep this happening so that they don't actually have to deal with the people it's the same thing with the conversation on black on black crime which other opinions about that but it's like if you keep people in fighting they're never going to turn to the true enemy exactly they're never going to mm -hmm. actually step back and see what's causing this bullshit right the big yeah. picture yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, I think it's really important to look at, you know, people tend to, I tend to, I should say, to look at the national scene of things. Um, and I feel very um, detached from the place where I live, which was, of course, less true in California, because that was where I grew up. And so, you know, I, I was really involved and interested in what was happening in the state of California. But, you know, I think we... It's the small town elections. It's the small, it's those areas that we have to be very right. um, concentrated on and understand that that's actually where the, the differences I think are gonna be made. Yeah. Look what they did in Georgia. I mean, yeah. I mean the, the whole voting rights, everything. I mean, that's what I think they've been taking away our actual rights. Like on a, like on a, on a like on, like if you look at the timeline, just of like the last eight years, I feel yeah. like in so many areas, the country has literally gone backwards. My friends who live around the world are literally like, America is embarrassing. And like, we're all like, this is, it's actually weird. Like your country's weird. <laughs> like, and I would never live in the United States of America. Why would I'm obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. It, we're, we're, it's not a good look we don't have a good look and I think that we've been programmed to think that we have this really good look for like quite my generation time. my generation thought that we had a really good look welcome to colonialism parents better than you are because we say so and we're totally right. fucking deluded yeah. well my you know my parents you know part of the baby boomers, yep. and I guess I'm considered a boomer, you know, that they, uh, you know, there was all this um, 
great boom of the, you know, after World War II and, you know, they had kids and raised the American dream and, you know, yeah. I was taught that it's called the American dream because it's, you, for it to be real, it's a dream. You have to believe in an actual dream. (laughs) You have to be sleeping. Yes. Yes. You're correct. I mean, the Reagan days, I mean, that was like, you know, your most (laughs) marching of uh, the Pledge of Allegiance and American pride. Right. And it's that was a very good programming of how great America is. And we've been to all these wars and we tell people what to do and we take their resources. And it's the same thing. I feel like this has been going on since the beginning of time with our country. Oh, yeah. And the fact that, you know, women have been fighting for so long for some sort of equal right or some sort of playing field getting closer to the same playing field that this is now completely taken away feels like just starting back not even at the beginning but even yeah. before the beginning right yeah and one of the things that w- that this this advocate said on the podcast this morning was that before Roe you could be fired for being pregnant you could yep. lose your scholarships you could lose your home you could, uh, you know, the list went on and on and the impact that it has on your life is extremely significant. Yeah. And the aspect that she was going towards is that women, if you're going to treat women as equal citizens of the United States, you have to give them those equal opportunities. Yeah. That it's less about, and I think this is actually what Ruth Bader Ginsburg said about Roe as being flawed is that it didn't address women's rights, it addressed the right of privacy. Exactly. Whereas instead of understanding specifically that women are significantly impacted by having to have a child. Yeah. Significantly, yeah. much more than the man. Yeah, no. If, you know, and job. I mean, 90% you know, of the men don't, yeah. If you think about like your time and days, like even still to this day, when you're like my friends who are pregnant, they won't even tell the people that they're pregnant before like in the interview process because companies don't want to hire somebody who's just about to have a baby because they have to take their leave time so still to this day women are not telling employees or employers that they're pregnant yeah at this point it's none of their business which is completely legitimate well now you have to tell now you have to tell your company if you have a company i'm going to have an abortion and possibly they will cover your your you know, payment, but now you have to also disclose your HIPAA, HIPAA violation yeah. again. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Do we, your right to privacy, whatever. It's, um, HIPAA. it's HIPAA, but it's like the, the financial impact on socially, economically, emotionally of having a baby is so impactful financially, everything. And now we do not have that right to control our life. Our, 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 like you said, family planning, how people plan their families. Right. Um, you know, it, it um, is, you know, and, and very much the ability to plan a family is so, it really feeds into that, what, what you're talking about with, you know, foster children and, you know, really it, it gives a power, the power, the, the ability to love. It gives it gives you the chance to say, look, I'm not ready for this now. Right. I'm not ready for this in my life. And I can't love this child. I can't give this child what it needs. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then exactly. Then now you're forced to, and that's like Nika, you were saying the children in the system did nothing wrong. They just had everything happen to them. They did nothing wrong, and then they're forced for the rest of their life to deal with the impact of the, the choices that their parents made. Exactly. And um, now there's women who could definitely love a child, but don't have the resources or the funding or the structure or literal government resources to even have daycare if you choose to have a child. Right. You don't even have child care. Like you, that's not even a part of our social American way is we do not provide childcare. Like, 
And then, and then this feeds into like more children in schools. We don't have enough teachers. We don't have enough schools. Uh, now we have all these privatized schools. It, it's like this domino effect that now is, is saying that a woman literally is not able to make her own choice. We, again, she is not, she is unable. She is not smart enough. She doesn't know what life and death is or what a beating heart is, or what is a fetus? And no, she still doesn't know. And look right. at the government. I mean, how many women are actually in government compared to men? No, this is run by men. Our, our country is run by white men. Oh, absolutely. I mean, hands down, truth. Um, <laughs> we need uh, to also like putting in more women, I feel like in like women getting more involved in politics. But again, it's also very hard when you have children and you have a life and you have a family to take care of. Wait, like <laughs> this, is, this is so real. And, and like, you know, we're talking about being unemployable, which when you're in survival mode, it is a whole lot less likely that you're going to be able to give of your love freely and your time freely. Like, like that, that's a, it's one of our base instincts. You just have to survive and get by. And when you take away a woman's employability, you take away her aut autonomy. Like, and that was one of the things that's like, no, you had to belong to your husband and you couldn't get mail delivered. Uh, you couldn't set up certain things unless your husband approved of it and all this other bullshit. And it's like the, the desire there is to actually take away woman's autonomy. Yeah. Like, 100%. But yeah, that's again, absolutely. my belief that I believe this country truly believes that women are less than we always have. Oh yeah. And oh. it's just putting it in our face. Like if we as women are not aware of that, like, no, we're actually hated and black women are the most hated. So, yeah. and then the impact on like the black community with this, you know, like in the hit Latino. Okay. So if you look at just family structures, Latinos statistically have larger families. Okay. And, you know, most of them are Catholic um, and that's like part of like the cultural upbringing. However, you know, in Mexico, when they tried to do this, literally they like stormed the government and did a whole, like literally like took over the government and was like, fuck this. You are yeah. not allowed as a Mexican woman. We have all these babies. We do all these things, but you cannot take that away from us. The right to choose when and how I, ha I create life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, so we are at the top of the hour. Uh, let's go ahead and share our resources. And then Elizabeth, stick around for the after chat because we got a whole lot more to talk about. Um, what do you have? Uh, how can we figure out about being a CASA um, provider? How can we, how can we? All yeah, absolutely. So a CASA is a court appointed special advocate it's a sworn in man, you're a mandated reporter, you're sworn in from the courts and it is a volunteer. Um, it is the only volunteer position that works with children in foster care. And the cool thing about that is, is that a child actually experiences somebody with them and around them who is not paid. They're not being paid to hang out with a kid. Um, and the intention of a special advocate is that you speak for the child in court. And mostly the main responsibility is that for 10 to uh, 15 hours a month, you spend one-on-one -on -one time with a child in foster care. And that is um, creating resources that provide, you know, opportunities, anything that a child, um, like resources to improve their life, that's what I do. And if that is something that anybody is called to or curious about, they don't want to be a foster parent, but they want to do something, become a CASA. Um, it's, a, it's training. There's a two-month training process. You are tested and you're sworn in. And um, every state now has a CASA program. Hmm. So you can just go, like, if you were to type in CASA Montana, um, CASA California, and then it goes down to your county. And usually each, um, each county has their own website. Um, but yeah, it's completely free. It is volunteer. And it is um, the greatest volunteer I've ever been a part of. Wow. Yeah. Really impressive. Yeah. I will definitely look into that. That's awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's real. 
Whew. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. This is the ITCAST Real Talk on Sex. We, we increase diversity in conversations on health and sexuality, and we are creating a world where all people feel loved, honored, and respected. Let me repeat that, and respected. Um, Cool. All right. We got some upcoming events. We have the Global Sexual Health and Freedom Summit coming September 17th and 18th. And when we talk about this, we're actually talking about our basic human rights and the things that we need to improve and enhance the safety and the uh, development of who we are as human beings. So please come check that out because uh, it's going to be a really powerful event. Um, also, if you want one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, visit my link tree and you can schedule a free 20-minute connection session um, and, you know, reach out and connect. We definitely want you to ask us anything. We want to hear from you. We want to know what you have to think and what you want to see on the show. So uh, definitely submit the form again on my link tree so you can have your answers, your questions answered. Um, we're going to hop into the after chat and you can find that content on our Patreon. Go ahead and subscribe so you can hear all the juicy details of what happens backstage. Um, learn more about our work at theitcast.com. Subscribe to this YouTube channel and share with your community. Thank you for joining us. <laughs>